Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to get into too much of it. It's really not that important for the recording, what transpired today. You know, with apostolic suffering and apostolic progress of the kingdom of heaven comes the biggest attacks of all time. If you're not encountering spiritual warfare, it's because you're no threat to the kingdom of hell whatsoever. And, uh, you know, we've been testing this thing for 20 years on this narrow path, you know, called to be an apostle by the grace of the Lord Jesus since the days of Teen Challenge to this present moment. And it's been interesting and a wonderful learning experience to me every step of the way for 20 years of what the enemy is able to do against you, your family, your friends, and, you know, your realm of your world, of your soul's influence. And you can always see your spiritual development in the contrast with the serpent in the garden through your friends and family. That's called your Jerusalem. Go and preach this gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outer ends of the earth. So your Jerusalem is your, your realm of friends and family, the closest people in your daily lives. Now, every overcomer has a Job story. And Job went, really went through it against the spirit of Satan that killed his wife, cursed God, you know, and killed his children, uh, stole from him all of his finances, all of his businesses. He was the richest man, the Bible says, and he became the poorest man. So the, there you have Satan killing, stealing, and destroying Job in the book of Job for your understanding of how the enemy operates towards everyone born again. Every one of us have dealt, has dealt with this to different measures and degrees according to the calling and destiny in our lives. Some a little bit, some a lot. Not everyone has suffered the same. Some have suffered tremendously more than imagination. Some are just barely suffering, you know. But I'm telling you guys, they're all precious. Everyone's saved. Everyone's a member of the kingdom of heaven. Is get over yourself, get over your brain, get over your fears, and understand the two trees in the garden. God the Father and Satan. Now you're not going to avoid Satan. The demons in your brain will make you want to naturalize it, and you just go to medication, you go to psychology, you do all this stuff, put band-aids on the flesh, put band-aids on the soul, and not actually deal with the roots of the situation in your hearts. But that's illegal activity. There is no legitimate prophet or apostle that will allow that kind of activity to put band-aids on people's lives because it's fake and false soulish ministry and it's worthless. It's profane of no eternal value. So the true prophets and the true apostles go into the root system of human hearts and uproot whatever the problem is in everyone's life. And how many of y'all know the root of the issue is called the roots of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It is. And Jesus Christ told you in the red letters that the root of all evil is the love of money, which is why so many have their finances stolen. $20,000 in scabies finances stolen since August, correct? Yeah, correct you. You're sad about it and a little embarrassed about it, but don't be. That's what Satan does. And you need to understand that Satan has done this against you. Yes, we've allowed it. I had my wallet stolen today on my locker by a 16-year-old kid skipping high school that snuck in on a free guest pass in the most bizarre thing you ever imagine in your life. They'll probably give me a free one-year membership to my club out of it. 
And it's not a big deal. I had no cash in it. They didn't get anything out of it. They ran to the Walgreens and used my PayPal MasterCard and stole $500, but we caught it right away. All of it's reimbursed. All of it's insured. It's not a big deal. This kid was a repeat offender. And when they, they found him, the young Somalian boy, 16 years old, they, they knew him by name and face. He's been arrested so many times for stealing in the Twin Cities that all the cops knew him. They knew him by name right away. Oh, that kid, yeah. And he's never done a day of jail time. They let him out because he's a juvenile. He's only 16. Wow. So the negligence was on part of the athletic club for letting a teenager skipping high school to come in and get a free day pass. And it was only a 10-minute slot that my locker was open while I'm sitting outside my locker talking with my friends. I've been going to this gym for 31 years. My dad had a lifetime membership there. My brothers have gone there, my sister, my mom, and stepdad go there. It's a family place. It's a family place, and we're just all friends, been going there. And there's some of these men I've known since I was six years old. So you gotta understand, this isn't like lifetime fitness. This is a private, you know, private club, high security. And for this to transpire in such a bizarre circumstance is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. There was only a couple minutes that this could even have happened. And that's the time it happened. And it was just, wow, what a snake. What a snake. And it's like, well, you must be doing something wrong for the enemy to steal from you. That's not true. Jesus never sinned. And Judas Iscariot stole from him every day for three years, the Bible says. Jesus never did anything wrong his whole life, but Satan stole from him every day of his perfect ministry. Doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. (laughs) It means that there is a thief in the garden to be dealt with. And the thief only kills, steals, and destroys your money and your health. He does, that's it. And your relationships. He'll try to pry apart marriages through finances and through sickness, right? You've seen it all hundreds of times. That's how he divides and conquers in relationships. And it's always around health, and it's always around wealth, and it's always around relationships. And then all these fears come in, and it's all just the attacks of the kingdom of hell against all of us. I mean, we are the body of Christ. Every one of us, I know, we've dealt with this multiple, multiple times our entire life. We were born into this world, and it's a fallen world, and it's a world full of snakes. Now there's a Jesus Christ in this world that saves you from the realm of the dead. But I'm telling you guys, a lot of the religious stuff that we've learned in our soul is not real Christianity. It's not. We're coming into a place of real Christianity, which is true divine royalty, royal power, kingly dignity, official sonship relationship with God that will enforce the throne of grace from our hearts with with seven blazing torches through the nations, which are our inheritance called the sea of glass. The nations are your inheritance. They are the sea of glass. It's true. The sea of glass is all trading. It's all business. It's all commerce. It's all the wealth of the nations. It's all the inheritance of Jacob. And it's all yours in Christ Jesus. That's the realm Satan and his angels and the demons have been protecting from the holy people of God. And we're breaking forth into that realm right now. It's true. Right now. Satan knows it. The fallen angels know it. 
and for them to orchestrate these kinds of diabolical schemes to kill, steal, and destroy from our houses, our families, our bodies, our hearts, our pancreases, our minds, and our flesh, and our skin. I'm telling you, you need to understand and wake up how real the devil is. You cannot sleep in ignorance and just say it's a natural problem. <laughs> how this thing was so orchestrated by the kingdom of hell and the perfect timing of it today, there is no question about it. The fallen angels guided the 16-year-old juvenile delinquent perfectly like a snake in the garden in full demon possession. I saw the kid. When, he, when the kid walked by me with my wallet in, on him after robbing my locker, I'm sitting there with my friends talking, and he walked by me. He was walking like a duck sideways with his head down at his feet. And my friends that were upstairs said they saw him sprint out of the club, hop in a car. That's when he rent, went seconds later into the Walgreens just a couple miles away and tried all my cards to get hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of him. Walgreens less than a mile away. Yeah, the Walgreens less than a mile away. And they, they got $500. And you know what? <laughs> Let them have it. It's insured. The thing is, what God told me, my wallet is full of Red Letter Ministry cards and tracks with the Red Letter Men on it. That wallet has been so saturated with a holy anointing oil. There's no chance that anyone that has ever stolen from me does not get hit by the anointing oil, by the angelic realm of grace. And I got my friends that are saying, prosecute him to the maximum extent of the law. I just look down like, that's not how it's going down. I saw how it's going down. We're going to eat him up and all his friends with the holy fire. That's how it's going down. <laughs> it's different when you mess with the living. When you sin amongst the dead, you know, it's just dead versus dead. But when you sin against the living, holy fire proceeds from the ark and consumes them, which means the forgiveness of sins, which means salvation, which means healing, signs, wonders, and deliverance, and miracles, angelic encounters. When you come against the throne of grace and steal from the throne of grace, I'm telling you, these kids don't know any better. I was a delinquent myself. I was in juvenile hall as a, as a teenager when I was 15 years old. In Carson City, I was locked up. I was a drug addict maniac out of my mind. Probably saved my life when they locked me up when I was 15 in juvie. I was so strung out on drugs, I couldn't sleep, hallucinating, totally demon-possessed. It was just the sickest nightmare. So I have a lot of sympathy for criminals. I have a lot of sympathy for drug addicts, you know. I am not one of these, you know, people that says just grind them into powder using the law of Mount Sinai. That is not how Jesus works. Jesus was a, a friend of sinners. What he does is he absorbs all of their darkness into the lake of fire. That's priesthood of Melchizedek activity, working in the spirit, working in the blood, working in the flesh and the bones. He doesn't condemn people for being in darkness. He washes them and brings them into the light. That doesn't mean some people get worse, but I'm telling you, I guarantee these little 16-year-old Somalian kids have never heard the gospel before. When I was an inner-city missionary in the West Bank, they called it Little Mogadishu. I'm not talking about the West Bank of Israel. I'm talking about the West Bank of Minneapolis. 
For 18 months, every night, for eight hours a night, I'd minister to Somalians, immigrants. There's 150,000 Somalians in this area of Minneapolis, all refugees. And some of them became Christians. I'd have words of knowledge in 2006, 2007. I would tell them that, I remember this one guy, I pulled him along to the side and I could just feel the love of God towards him. I said, you're for Somalian, but you grew up in Kenya. And his eye, he just, his eye is shocked. He was like this. And I said, God's got a calling on your life and Jesus loves you. And, and I began, these words of knowledge just came pouring out of me towards him. And he's like, I knew I was supposed to be here tonight. And I said, well, Jesus just loves you and you had a call in destiny. It's going to touch the Somalian community. And it was like I had no control over my tongue or my mouth as the father was just speaking through me to this Somalian kid. <laughs> it was awesome, man. So I know God is out to get the Somalian community in Minneapolis. It's the largest Somalian community. And that was the kid that robbed me, Somalian kid. You know, the largest Somalian community outside of Somalia in the world. 150,000 Somalians in Minneapolis. <laughs> and many of them are absolutely wonderful. But the kids, you know, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of just hurt, you know, for refugees. And my God, I can relate to that. I lived in 24 different states before I was 18 years old. You know, new people all the time. Four different high schools, you know. So there isn't really any kind of suffering on the planet that I haven't been able to experience and relate to somewhat. Even dying and overdosing on drugs and just everything. And you know what? All of it makes you sympathetic for people. That I don't care what you've done in the natural dimension. I understand what's here in the elemental spiritual forces of wickedness. I understand the situation. That there is no excuse to condemn anyone for anything according to what they've done in the flesh. That there is a greater grace that can melt your heart and change your mind to live in the glory. The greatest people of God in the Bible were those who were the worst of sinners. I mean, look at it. David, a murderer and an adulterer. And we have the star of David and we consider him the anointed one. He is. He was the anointed one. The type and foreshadow of the Messiah himself. Come on. Wow. Hallelujah. And we're taking it all back from the enemy, you guys. And we're taking it all back by this kind of understanding. That there's no reason to not love everyone perfectly. I mean, how many times should we forgive our neighbor when they sin against us? You know? Peter was asking so that when... It happened, you could pick up stones and then condemn them under the law of Moses, right? Jesus said seven times seventy. Gamaliel taught that you could only sin seven times and then you could condemn them under the law of Moses. It's true. That's why Jesus, quoting Gamaliel, said seven times seventy. Gamaliel was the, the greatest teacher of Israel of all time. But Jesus said seven times seventy per day. Per day. <laughs> Which means you have to learn how to love unconditionally. We're in a new system now. We're in a system of grace. That, and grace is not permission to continuously get robbed. That's not what it is. Grace is not to be taken advantage of by the wicked and the dead and the law and everything, these criminals and all these drug addicts and everything wrong with the world. That's not what grace is. Grace means 
that the fire of God will continue to burn through you and you'll not be cut off, cut off from the light of the living no matter what. Doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences for your actions. It just means you're not cut off from salvation and the light of the Lamb on the throne no matter what you do. At any moment, even on death row, if a person's heart changes, the light of the Lord Jesus will enter him and they're new internally. And you still might have to pay the consequences for your sins in the natural dimension because we're not in the perfect kingdom of heaven age on earth. But then when that person dies, they'll go right into heaven. It just means that the light of the Lord Jesus is more powerful than anything in the natural dimension that could condemn you to hell. That's the new covenant. That's the power of the blood of the Lamb. That's the power of light. That's the power of unearned, undeserved favor. Grace. Grace is the light of the holy oil of the Holy of Holies. When we think Holy of Holies, we think, oh, it's so strict and serious and it's going to condemn me for all the stuff wrong with me and I don't measure up. That's the religious devil's attitude towards the Holy of Holies because Satan is scared out of his mind of the Holy of Holies. But that's not what the Holy of Holies is. The Holy of Holies is the throne of grace. Right? You go into the Holy of Holies, there's the mercy seat and the cherubim. Is the mercy seat of the Old Covenant temple, now in the New Covenant, the throne of grace? Obviously. Obviously. The throne of grace is the Holy of Holies. If it rises in your heart, all of that light, all of that favor, all of that healing virtue and power comes out of you without measure. That's what sonship is. Constantly clinging to the grace of the Lord Jesus, even though the realm of the dead is always attacking and stealing your favor until you hit the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Remember, Jesus was stolen from by Judas Iscariot every day of his ministry until he hit the mark of the high calling. It's true. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, he was made perfect through what he suffered. Part of the suffering was being stolen from all the time. You know? We're stolen from insane amounts. And the misunderstanding is all part of the stealing realm. People, a demon on their brains twists our words so they don't hear and under, understand correctly. And they interpret it through the religious demon as hate. They interpret it through the, the stealing demon as, you know, <laughs> some kind of pride. And they don't hear the word correctly because their souls are full of Satan. And when the souls are washed in the grace and the light and the goodness of the Holy of Holies, there can be no misunderstanding. And that's what we're coming into, a time where the clarity of the soul realm is like bright light of the Holy of Holies manifesting from our hearts. That no man, woman, or child could misunderstand our hearts. That these are the sons of God by how much they love everyone perfectly, unconditionally, and give them unmerited, unearned favor into their souls, even though we've sinned against them hundreds of times, even though we've neglected them, even though we've lied about them behind their backs. We've treated them the same way we've treated God the Father. That's the evidence of sonship, that the world treats you the same way they treated the Master. It's true. Read Matthew 5-7. through seven. If they treated Him that way, they'll treat us this way. 
Hallelujah. And they're going to treat us a certain way after we hit the mark of the high calling, get established in official sonship, and manifest royal power through all flesh, and rule the nations with an iron scepter, with the morning star in the scepter, with all the favor of God, and holding no grudge against even Freemasons, even the secret societies, even the witches and the warlocks, even the Obama administration, even, you know, what's-her-face, Hillary Clinton. I mean, I mean, can you really love? Can you really obey Jesus and love your enemies? Yes! It's so fun! Because what you're going to do is just wash all the works of the devil away out of all flesh. Out of all flesh. <laughs> you're going to set the captives free. This is the greatest thing. I was once a warlock. It's true, I was deep, deep, deep in the occult. Setting a sorcerer of Babylon free from the magic arts is one of my favorite things in ministry. When I was in inner city missions, and I've done this many times since I was, but I don't go out eight hours a night like I used to in the first two years of Red Letter Ministries. I go out and do stuff and talk with people every day all over the Twin Cities. But when I was first starting out, I was specifically hanging out at the satanic coffee shop called Hard Times Cafe, Cedar Riverside. Not to be confused with Hard Rock Cafe, completely different. Hard Times was the, the satanic coffee shop. It's still there. It's much more gentrified now. Back then, they'd find dead people in the bathrooms, heroin needles every day. I mean, it was a real hellhole. The city tried to close it down five times. We had to fight the city to keep it open because it was, it was the centrality of the heroin epidemic and gang and drug dealing activity in the Twin Cities. And that's where I was a missionary for 18 months, 8 hours a day. So I'm, I'm telling you, going into those dark places and learning how to love people that are killing themselves on rebellion, and then you got the Pharisees coming in and telling people to change and putting condemnation on them, and you deal with everything that Satan has every day. That's how you really get into the thick and the grit and the nitty of what exists in society. You can't just stand back in your soul and have an opinion unless you're there in the experience of laying your life down and serving others for years and years and years and suffering with them. That's the apostolic. I mean, that's really anyone called and sent even as a prophet. And a prophet is promoted to an apostle by learning to love everyone perfectly. It's true. Did you know that? There's no apostle that's not also a prophet, obviously. I mean, that's how they write the scriptures. I mean, you have to have the fullness of the prophetic to begin in the apostolic. And it's really all about love. And I know the apostle has the blueprint and it's about building, but prophets become apostles by sacrificing all of themselves and serving others. Most prophets never get promoted because they just prophesy and they step back and don't join in the actual suffering of being in all the horrible stuff with the people to build them up from the realm of the dead. There's a huge gap between prophet and apostle. That's why all the government of God is on apostles only. It is. Truly the head of the body of Christ. And apostles exist until the whole body is raised from the dead above the thief in full spiritual stature. Which means you haven't even seen apostolic ministry yet. But you're about to. You've heard apostolic teaching. Everything we say at Red Letter Ministries is 100% apostolic. It will build your spirit up to overcome everything that's in the world. 
and your eyes will open and it all becomes revelation. It all becomes enriched in your heart through experience. That's the apostolic. That's why there's such instant growth of all the water of the word turning into the wine of experience when you turn on Red Letter Ministries. It's just normal apostolic grace, which is the throne of grace, which is true kingship and royalty of the kingdom of heaven. Who are the royal kings of the throne? The twelve apostles. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Twelve apostles are the kings of the throne of grace. That's clearly written in the Bible multiple times. The apostolic has always been kingship. The prophetic has always been lordship. And the only thing that attacks them both is the lying witch Jezebel of the white magic arts in the soul realm that's deceived so many millions of people against the true apostles of Christ in our generation. And all of that terrible name-calling, lying behind our backs is all going to be restored sevenfold. The thief's been caught stealing. The thief is the great red dragon. Caught stealing in the second heavens, lying to people through starlight in their brains against the holy apostles of Christ in our generation. You've never seen spiritual warfare until you encounter a true modern-day apostle that has suffered just like Peter, just like Paul, just like Timothy, just like Barnabas, just like John on Patmos. You want to see, the problem is, is we don't want to partake of apostolic suffering because it's excruciating. Now that's the truth. We want it as easy and comfortable as possible. That's just not how it's going to work. You know, Babylon the Great will just always give you a way out to avoid the suffering of the refinement of laying your life down and being in the, the grit and the nitty gritty and the swamp and the pit and the valley of death with people that are sick and poor and dying and drug addicts and every problem. You know, even the successful in Babylon the Great are like complete and total dead people to the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I'm talking about businessmen driving Rolls Royce as like a dead zombie swamp creature, and that's the highest that Babylon gets. So even have sympathy upon the rich, because compared to those in the kingdom of heaven, they're extremely poor, they're extremely sad to look at, it's extremely pitiful, and I mean, to have genuine sympathy for the rich, for the poor, for the kings, for the generals, for all humanity together in this world that has lived under the shadow of death, which is Satan and his angels, and the starlight of sorcery, Remphon. Everyone has grown up in Remphon. That's the curse of the fall, the light of Satan and his angels. But now they'll be raised from the dead by the light of the bright morning star, and by the light of grace, and by the light of the Holy of Holies. And everyone on earth will rejoice in the manifestation of the sons of God, who restore all things through all souls and all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. Amen? Because that's the only thing God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ ever desired to do through man's and woman's spirit life on earth as it is in heaven, was just restore all things and be a total representation of the invisible God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's what you are in Christ. And the little idiosyncrasies in your mind that are in disagreement are just lies that are flies trying to steal you of the divine royalty and the divine favor that's already planted inside your bellies. See, lies are what rob you. 
<laughs> and you come to a place where all the lies are washed away and you're no longer robbed. And that's when the bride of Christ births sonship and her waters break, the breaking of the mighty waters. When Noah was 600 years old, the fountains of the great deep broke up and burst forth. And the windows and the doors of the heavens were opened. Genesis 7-6. That is the birthing of the bride of Christ in the mighty waters of life, which is the creative power, the rivers of glory, the springs of fire of the Holy of Holies, the great grace of the Lord Jesus coming out of our spirit life as the body of Christ and drowning the world in the goodness, in the mercy, in the grace, in the healing and prosperity of King Jesus. Amen? Amen. We love you guys. If you want to support this ministry, redlettermen.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Glory to God. <laughs>